Matthew chapter 1. I would be remiss if I did not say a Merry Christmas to all of you. We are in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this season where we get to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, Lord, a Savior that we don't deserve. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so thankful for the grace you have towards us. We're so grateful and thankful for the love you have towards us. And we get to celebrate that during this year, during this time of year. Lord, I ask that as we gather with our families today and tomorrow, we would be uh, doing so in remembrance of you and everything that you have done for us. Lord, as we, we exchange gifts tomorrow, I, I ask that we would do so joyfully as we, as we graciously offer uh, gifts to those we love. Lord, we, we ask that you would just be a part of this service uh, today and this evening, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you would draw us near to you. Lord, and even as some of us may have sniffles and coughs, Lord, we, we still see that you are good, that you are good for all that you have done and offered. And so, Lord, I ask again that you would come and be our honored guest, uh, that you would come and sit beside each and every one of us, and you would guide our hearts and minds this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of my cough drops did you take? Leave a dollar in the, in the offering plate, please. You know, no matter how old they are, they never stop taking. Can I get an amen, huh? Amen. No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. 
All right, all right. Merry Christmas, that's all you're getting. <laughs> well, hey, good morning to all of you. As you can see, we're working our way around the Advent wreath. We've gone from what is called, if you will, hope, then peace, then joy. And this morning, it's all about love. Now, you might remember, too, in a previous message, we, we highlighted the fact that according to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it literally is the opposite of what the fruit of the Spirit is, which is love, joy, peace, and patience, but hope. And so the Advent sort of follows that, and it helps us to realize that we're in good company, aren't we, with the Savior. This morning, though, I would like to consider with you about four aspects, if you will, of the truth of love that we see in the Christmas story. If, if you still have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 1, we find the very first one that is there. Though it's not, if you will, it's not plain as far as the word love is not used there. But we can at least conjecture that Joseph loved Mary. Joseph loved Mary. And, and the reason we say that is because of the actions that he did. And to understand that, you've got to at least consider the culture at that time. It says in that particular text that Joseph wanted to put Mary away quietly, discreetly, secretly. But to understand the magnitude of that, you and I'll leave this for you, you've got to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 22. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 22, under the law of Moses, that was not to be the way. In fact, it says in that particular passage in Deuteronomy chapter 22, that during the betrothal period of time, and we'll discuss that in a few minutes, but during the betrothal period of time, if the one betrothed to a man was found to have child, then she literally could be dragged to, if you will, the, the village leaders. And there she would have been totally embarrassed as, the, in fact, that would be the least. But the greatest punishment could have been that she could have been taken outside the city and put to death by stoning. Now you get to understand a little bit of what Joseph did, or at least what he was planning to do. The other thing that we don't really understand is this thing called betrothal. Uh, it, the closest that we have in our own culture is what's called engagement, but a betrothal is really much more than that. And in all reality, though the husband and wife were not in the same household, they were considered to be married, hands off to everybody else. And so when Joseph was made aware of the fact that Mary was expecting a child, he wasn't in the loop, so to speak, until he decided to take a nap. And it was there, according to Matthew chapter 1, 
that an angel of the Lord spoke to him and said to him, Fear not, take unto yourself Mary as your wife, because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now you get two pictures of the love that Joseph had for Mary. First of all, one of the pictures is this. He was a righteous man because he understood what the angel was talking about. You've at least got to at least think about and consider this, that he probably was one of the few, and during this time, probably one of the few that were looking for the Messiah. And so when the angel said unto him, that which conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden he was connected that quickly. That tells you of his righteousness, of who he was. And in that, he believed and obeyed. And that's a grand thing, I believe, isn't it, in our society today? Of how quickly... We read the word of God and maybe skim over it very quickly. Maybe you have in this particular passage of Matthew chapter 1 and haven't stopped to consider everything that's happening there. It's not a long passage, obviously, but it bids us to stop and consider and to think of all that is happening in this particular realm. And so the first thing we need to consider is this, is that Joseph had a love for Mary, a deep love. And what his plan was, was to just have Mary not be embarrassed, not being brought before the magistrates, if you will, the tribunal of the city, but to just tenderly maybe send her back home. Which, by the way, according to Deuteronomy 24, was also okay. But yet, the reality of it is, is he loved her too much. That he stayed with her, no matter what. No matter what. The second one is more obvious to us, and if you wish, you may turn to Luke chapter 2. If not, then you just listen as we speak a little bit, and you just jot down a passage. Maybe you'll look at it later this afternoon, before you catch a nap, before you come back tonight. Amen? That was a week. I suspect half of you will be here. (laughs) Luke chapter 2. The second part I want to speak to you concerning is Mary's love for Jesus. Mary's love for Jesus. Now this is a fascinating passage, by the way, specifically in verses 6 and 7. Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, which it says here that I gotta find verse six. I hate it when they write these little numbers beside you can't even see them. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. This thing called wrapping. I'm not talking about, no, I'm talking about literally taking strips of cloth and wrapping the baby. There's two aspects of that. One, obviously, is to keep them warm. 
Uh, I've had enough experience with that, with six children and now grandchildren. Oh, you got to wrap that banquet around. It don't matter if they got 25 pieces of clothes on. You got to wrap a blanket around them to keep them warm. But here, it's a little bit different. Because you must remember something. In fact, let me just quote it for you. John 1, 29. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Now you're probably scratching your head wondering, what does that have to do with this particular passage? Well, remember this. That at the time of sin sacrifice, there were two, if you will, criteria. One, it had to be a newborn lamb. And secondly, it had to be without blemish in order to be acceptable for an offering of sin offering. But what they would do in the household is they would take a newborn lamb. Now get this picture if you can. They would take this newborn lamb, they would bring it into the house that it may dwell with us. Oh, I think you're catching on a little bit. I don't know, or maybe the sleeping pill is wearing off. But anyway, and so here Jesus came, as John tells us in John chapter 1, he came and dwelt among us. But the second thing is this, is the wrapping, they would wrap that lamb for protection that even if it did fall, even if it did would brush up against something, it would not be marred. For if it was, it was not acceptable. I don't know if Mary knew that or not as she was tenderly wrapping this newborn child. But in reality, without her knowing it, she is fulfilling scripture. Jesus was wrapped in such a way that isn't it interesting, too, as we said last week, that the shepherds would have recognized that wrapping. Because the shepherds were tending their sheep, tending their flock by night on the hillside. And they knew what it needed to have happen for a newborn lamb. And so when the angel told them, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. I'm sure there were other babies that were born that time. There had to be. And yet the shepherds would have recognized this. And they would have come to an unbelievable surprise. We know that from last week because they couldn't keep it quiet. They told everybody in the town what it was all about. And so Mary took this child and tenderly wrapped him. Now, all of you ladies who have had the privilege of children, I want to tell you something. I'm glad you have them. Because there's no way I could put up with this thing that your stomach all of a sudden shifts over. Or you get kicked. Or you can't go anywhere from home that's more than 10 minutes because you got to go to the bathroom. But yet, what I've also noticed is that all of that nine months of carrying this child, whom you've never seen, 
you got to wonder what he's going to look like, he or she's going to look like. And you, and you even begin to wonder, how are they going to grow? And so for all of this time that Mary is carrying this child, she knows it's a special child because the angel told her. But yet still, she wasn't given the indication of what it's going to look like. And so when this baby is born, as all of you mothers, you just can't help but love that child. Oh, they put you through a distress for nine months. I'm going to see a show of hands. How many of you ladies had to carry your children during the summer months? 110 in the, in the shade. Yeah, there you go. You know what I'm talking about. And then you had the pleasure of carrying them again in the winter. But you took care of them. Why? Because you love them. And it's an amazing thing, too, that as, as Mary is, is here, <clears throat> it says in chapter 2, as she listens to what the shepherds have said, it says that she has treasured and pondered. Treasured and pondered. If you've not paid attention to those words, they're very dy 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 dynamic. They didn't have photo albums back then. They didn't have cell phones that you can take a selfie. They didn't have any of that. And so this wonderful word treasured literally means preserved. And she kept in mind, even to the fact, if you will, of thinking about it so that she'd never forget it. And then when you come to pondered, that word, it means bringing it all together. And, and, and in symphony, if you will, bringing it all together that all the parts are working out. And so here we have this fantastic thing that Mary kept these things. And, and she literally repeated them over in her mind, over and over and over. It wasn't something that quickly faded. She wanted to remember. I'm sure she remembered the angel telling her and the reason I say that is because Luke wasn't there. It wasn't until later that as Luke is putting all of this together, he's writing to a Greek named Theophilus. And I can imagine that he sat down with Mary with a cup of tea and some crumpets. And, she began, and he began to interview her. How was it that this all took place? And I'm sure Mary told her about the angel Gabriel coming to her and telling her of this wonderful birth, this miraculous birth, and then reflecting to Luke that the inn was full. But that's okay. We had a manger. And how I meticulously wrapped him to protect him, to warm him. And Luke, in hearing all of this, she, he, he comes to the conclusion that she hasn't forgotten one detail of the whole thing. She treasured and she pondered these things until finally it got written down for us so that we too 
can think about. When's the last time? I, I know it's going to get busy tomorrow. It's going to be busy tonight. I, I understand that. But when's the last time you just stood back and treasured and pondered what Jesus Christ has done for you? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Born unto us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And a government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Did you catch that? Past, present, future. And here Mary and her great love for her son. And I love the passage. Luke didn't leave this out. It was only her firstborn son, which tells us she had more. But they weren't as glorious as Jesus. That, dear people, should just stop you and put you to your knees and say, thank you, Lord God, for your gift of love. Oh, but there's another one, if I may. Draw your attention to it. Another one. As we say in our house, another one. We have this wonderful thing, truth, if you will, God's love for sinners. Isn't that really the reason why Jesus came? And that's what his name is. His name is given to both Joseph and to Mary that he is come, you call him this name because he's the Savior. He's the Savior. And you know this verse very well, but maybe you just want to turn to it in order to refresh your mind. John chapter 3. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. John chapter 3. No, we're, we're not talking about the, the birth of Jesus, but we are talking about his mission. And the mission is that he has come to do the will of the Father who sent him. Well, what's the will of the Father? That's a good Bible study for you. To go through and find out this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And what was Jesus talking about to this Nicodemus, this interesting character? That he's only mentioned in the book of John, nowhere else in scripture. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. You know the story, it's called Nick at Night. Those of you with children will understand that's a program just for children. They dump all kind of slime and everything on everybody. That's kind of crazy. But Nicodemus is there, and he begins to question Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Look at verse 16 and 17. For it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. You want to understand the mission of God in history? It's the salvation of mankind. 
And the only one who could accomplish, if you will, the proper payment for that is Jesus Christ. Now, don't miss the very important word that says, for God so loved the world that he gave, he sent his son. He sent his son. And now we understand the fact that he was sent as a newborn babe. Now that in and of itself should cause you to sit back and scratch your head and say, how can this be? How is it that deity can be born? Well, he was born in flesh. And what we have, here's your big, here's your big theological word. Don't, tell me, don't ask me how to spell it. I'll just tell it to you. It's called the hypostatic union. Man and God in one. That's an amazing truth, dear people. So wonderful it is that Jesus came and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only begotten son of God. Full of grace and truth. These things we write unto you, John said, not, not in the particular St. John, but in 1 John. These things we write unto you that your joy may be full. And that which we have seen and heard we declare unto you that in him is no darkness. No darkness at all. Isn't that an amazing truth? That we have a wonderful Savior who understands us, who got thirsty, who got hungry, who, yes, ladies, even as a baby, he messed his pants. Yes, he did. Why did he, would he do such a thing? So that, he said, Hebrews writer tells us, so that he can understand everything that we go through. He didn't show up as a full-grown man. He didn't show up as a superman. I, I know that's what the Jews were looking for, but that's not how he came. He came to dwell among us. He came to grow. He came to, if you will, and, and try to understand this, that he grew in favor of man and God. How do you do that? Well, isn't that the miraculous part of Jesus' birth? The glory that is before us. And it is, if you will, a descriptionness of how much God really loves us. Oh, oh, you may be even wondering to yourself, oh, God couldn't love me. Yes, he can. And he did. He hasn't stopped. Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 39 and 40 when, when he begins to write this wonderful, wonderful treatise where it says, For I'm convinced that nothing, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, either the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How powerful is that? And yet this is the center, if you will, the central theme of Christmas. 
God sending forth his son so that we, by grace through faith, may have eternal life. Oh, I've got time to do one more. In fact, this is my, my last thing. Then we'll stop. My last point. And it's this. The Bible makes it clear that an unbreakable, if you will, connection between God's love and us as we love other people. As we love other people. Just mark this down. Don't turn to it. Just mark this down. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 and 11. I, I challenge you to go and read that. Two verses. Declare it, if you will, by John. He says, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And, he says, and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our friends. Dear friends, then John writes, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Ah. You mean that contentable next door neighbor? Yes. Yes. Because I want to tell you something. Before you came to Christ, you were contemptible. And I hope you're not staying there. <laughs> I hope you're not staying there. It's the reality. But notice, if you will, notice God's love comes first. In other words, you can't do this if it wasn't for God's love first. Not only that, but God's love always comes first. God's love was in creating the world. His love in promising a Savior. His love, if you will, in sending his Son into the world. God's love in Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. That's love. And God, if you will, not that we love God, but that he loved us first. But then when God's love comes first, then our love should follow. Our love should follow. Our love for others should follow, not merely as an obligation, but as an outflowing, if you will, of the love that God has given to us through Christ Jesus. It's, it's the idea that that kind of love breaks down barriers. For instance, you're going to surprise a state trooper when he pulls you over and, and, and gives you a speeding ticket. You're going to say to that state police officer, thank you for caring for me. I see some of you are smiling. Maybe you more recently have gotten one. <laughs> thank you for loving me that much that you pulled me over to keep me safe. And I can love you for that. Thank you. He may take the take it from you and rip it up. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? See, our outflowing of love and caring for other people is always predicated by our relationship to Jesus Christ. The closer you get to Jesus Christ and loving him more and more each day, it's sort of like what the Apostle Paul wrote for us in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Not that I've already accomplished it, Paul says, but I press toward the goal 
of the high mark of, Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus and understand his love and wonderful and allowing it to flow through you, the more you'll be able to love other individuals. It's inevitable. That's what the scriptures are talking to us about this morning. And so Christians, uh, Christmas is not only remembering how much God loves you, but also how much you should love other people. It is, if you will, if there's someone you need to help at Christmas, is there someone you need to reach out to Christmas? Is there someone you need to forgive this Christmas? That's love. It can only happen because aren't you glad the Savior forgives you? That's the key. That's the key. God showed his love for us at Christmas by sending his son into the world as our sacrifice for our sins, how will you show your love to others this Christmas? Which, by the way, is more than just having a gift underneath the tree or whatever with your name on it. It's a yearly, continual action. Well, I'm kind of excited about tonight. We've got so many things planned. Four wonderful musical presentations. Beautiful are they going to be. We're going to have, uh, Pastor Steve, you've already contacted some young men. They're going to bring the couch in my office and put it up here. I can't wait to preach from that tonight. No, I'm not going to. We're going to move this out of the way. We're going to strip the platform down. Oh, we're not going to take this away, but we're going to strip the platform down because I want you to be able to see the reaction of the children tonight as they hear this glorious story. And then we get to sing. But what's great is the hour I get to preach. No, I've got it down to 19 minutes. You want to talk about a miracle? <laughs> 19 minutes. But then, as we pass the flame, oh, we get to light the center candle tonight. As we pass the flame, the, the whole sanctuary just fills with light. What a dynamic that is to celebrate Christmas. Oh, you got to come back for tonight. Uh, if you need some of these are up here Steve will show you where they are <laughs> just come tonight I will do everything that I can to get you out of here by 10 o'clock <laughs> no seven I'll try to get you out by seven but what a beautiful time tonight as family and that's what I want to keep it at it's a family time Children and adults together praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Oh, I can't wait for tonight. I'm as excited as if it is Christmas morning. It's going to be beautiful. You've got to come tonight. Well, I've taken enough of your time 
Some of you probably have dinner engagements. Others of you have uh, uh, places to go and such with family. And, and I want to get you out of here. I'm getting you out of here five minutes early. Can I get an amen? Well, that's pretty weak. Okay, I can continue going. No. Let's stand together for the benediction, shall we?